Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. And I'm joined by the New York Times bestselling author, Ashley Audrain, and she is out with her brand new novel, The Whispers. This comes on the heels of her previous book, The Push, and we had Ashley on to talk about that. Now she's back to discuss her sophomore novel with us and Ashley boy this one I sat down to read and I didn't really know what to expect because I hear the whispers and that can mean so many different things but as I got into it it's a heck of a good commentary on life and just how we examine ourselves in relationship to other people so before we get into the actual characters and how it is can you can you describe the setting for the book because I think it what it went a long way to informing the personalities that were involved Oh, thanks, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, so the book is set um, on Harlow Street, and this is a street that was sort of inspired by this, the neighborhood and the street that I was living on at the time that I was drafting the book, which was, um, you know, the Little Portugal neighborhood um, here in Toronto where I live. Um, and I love the idea of this sort of eclectic street um, that had sort of been very much gentrified, you know, over the last decade, um, where there was sort of this one um, older Portuguese, you know, family still living there who was original to the neighborhood, you know, that were in their 80s and sort of still in the house that they moved into, you know, probably 60 plus years ago. And then all of the kind of new, you know, modern families moving in around them, you know, renovating the old houses and having the kids and, you know, parking the big SUVs on the street and um, just sort of, you know, every, that that sort of new generation kind of taking over. Um, and so that, that's sort of the setting for the street. You know, I, I really wanted to write about you know, women who are neighbors. There is something so, um, you know, claustrophobic about that, you know, about, about um, you know, sort of these women sort of always having this eye on your life and kind of watching the comings and goings of your house and your family. Um, but there's also such a sense of community there, too. Like, we really rely on our neighbors, and they often become close friends. Um, and so I, I just wanted to play with that dynamic of, you know, these four women who, you know, there's two houses on one side of the street and two houses on the other, and um, and there's sort of a, a sort of a voyeuristic quality to the book. I hope that um, that kind of demonstrates that as, as we kind of get into the relationship, you know, between each of them. Yeah, the book is told from several different perspectives of the various women, different ages, different statuses in life, different uh, different things about children. I mean, some have kids, some don't. Some are professionals, some aren't. And so, it, the book takes place over the course of just a few days. But what is the the party that sort of set this up? Because I thought it was brilliant how you brought this all together from mm. an episode several months before the main action of the book started. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so that, that backyard party scene, yeah, I... You know, it's sort of, as you said, yes, the current timeline of the book is very sort of immediate, and it takes place over, you know, the course of just a few days, but then we sort of flash back to this party that happened at the end of the summer prior, Um, and I wanted there to sort of, there was a few sort of reasons for doing that, or a few reasons why I wanted to write about that. Um, I really wanted to sort of show how, you know, an event that can happen in our past, like this, you know, backyard barbecue, um, you can kind of linger with you, like, you know, you can kind of have interactions with people or conversations with people or certain things can happen and we don't necessarily know their meaning or the consequence of them, you know, until much later. But I think we've all had that experience of kind of, you know, that one encounter that sort of sticks in our mind and might sort of change the way we feel about somebody or, you know, it still gives us that wrong kind of feeling, you know, much later. 
Um, that, that was really fun to write about, and we do kind of flash back to that that, that backyard party, you know, throughout um, throughout the book. And the other thing that I loved about writing those scenes is, you know, when you have four characters, um, you know, it, 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 sometimes it's hard to put them all in the same place at the same time. You know, these four women have, you know, their own busy lives, and they are so, you know, they're in such close proximity, but they each have their own storyline happening. And I really wanted to get them all in one place um, to interact with each other. And I just, as a writer, it's so fun to write about, um, you know, how somebody might perceive themselves to be or the image they think they are giving off. And then the way that other characters are perceiving them can be completely different. You know, and it really, I think it really shows that something about each character to sort of see, you know, how they receive or how they judge another person, um, you know, versus who that person really thinks they are. And so that, that was a really fun layer of this book. Um, and some, something you can only do with, you know, a sort of a cast of characters like this. And I have to admit, when I saw the title and I read that first chapter, I thought the whispers, oh, this is going to be about neighborhood gossip. And then, no, it wasn't. And it, it kind of it kept changing the meaning for me of what the whispers was over the course of the book. But what it really is, is it, it, one of the characters describes a feeling that when something tells you something just isn't right. And I think that's where the, the, the starting off point was. And so how is it when you have four people in here, they happen to be women, but four people who all have their different ideas about each other, and they don't see, they, they, they judge others, but they don't see themselves as being judged by the others. It seems like that's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I, yes, and I, I think that um, that was just so interesting to write about, you know, this idea that, um, like, there, you touched on that idea of judgment, and there is, there is a lot of judgment and envy in this book. You know, I think envy is sort of a theme that comes out. Um, and it's funny because I feel like, the, you know, the, this, the, the feeling or sort of emotion, when we have that feeling of envy towards another person, you know, sometimes it can come out as a really sort of like, you know, a harsh judgment or, um, you know, we, we sort of go down that path. But really, if we pay attention to what we envy in life, I think it's showing us what we feel we are lacking. You know, it is showing us what we really want. Um, and these are women who, they're each sort of longing for something, but they can't quite put their finger on it. You know, they're, they're, they're each having, they each are uncomfortable with, their life in some way, um, in different ways. And I think those two things are connected. You know, this idea of longing and, like, what are we missing? What are we looking for in our lives is very much connected to, you know, envy and judgment. Like, what do we envy in other people? What do we judge about other people? Um, and, you know, there, there is sort of a, a need. Sometimes I think it can be hard to listen to that, you know, to be aware of that. But um, but there's certainly a connection there. When you have a story like this that's told for from different perspectives, there's going to be some overlap. And sometimes we know about things that are going to happen to characters or that are, they're going to find out about before the characters even know about it. And was that a way for you as a writer to play on all of our, all of our sense of being somewhat voyeuristic? We all love hearing gossip, whether we admit it or not. We all love it. I mean, Facebook thrives on this. And so was, was that kind of your little tip of the hat to how voyeuristic society is? Not necessarily in any type of nefarious way, but just in a gossipy way. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that observation. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I the timeline was tricky in this book, um, and it, and I really worked on that through revisions because I did I did want it to have that quality to it. I, this is very much sort of a book, obviously, about sort of this you know voyeuristic nature that we all have. You know, we want to know we're nosy. We want to know what's going on with our neighbors. We want to know what's going on across the street. Um, and it's it, you know so many of us I think can relate to that feeling. 
And I, yeah, I really wanted to put the reader in a position where, um, you know, and it's a fine line between wanting to read to find out what happens next. You know, there is a sort of mystery or a question that we are uncovering in this book, but it's also fun to give the reader information, you know, ahead of time. It's also fun to kind of to have the reader sort of know where the next chapter is going and have to watch that character discover it. Um, so, yeah, there, there is that. I was hoping to kind of achieve that quality with this book. And it, as I said, it, it took a lot of <laughs> edits and revising to kind of find the perfect balance between, like, how much do you give the reader, how much do you hold back, and sort of what feels right. I'm chatting with Ashley Audrain about her brand-new novel, The Whispers. It is available everywhere, and she's a best-selling, you know, New York Times best-selling author. And if you haven't read The Push, go pick that one up, too, because it, it's another fantastic book. Ashley, there was a scene in the book, and the, the, uh, the character was a wife who's reading about or thinking about her husband having an affair. And there's a scene where she's going through all the gory details in her mind. And I had discussions with people after I read that section about, would you want to know? And, or would you not want to know? Would you want to be blissfully unaware? And so I thought, I, I wanted to probe how you came about giving that particular character that particular quality. Because I think it's a, a discussion that a lot of people think that my, if my spouse is cheating on me, do I really want to know all the gory details? Or do I just want to be blissfully unaware? How did that come to be in the book? Yes, I yes, I'm so glad you picked up on that because I I find that such an interesting thing too, such an interesting question. Is like how much would you want to know, and and also like how much do you let yourself like you know go there? How much do you let? She, she Blair really, um, you know, she as you said, she suspects her husband is having this affair, and she finds herself you know like supposed to be in the moment with her daughter or her family, and she and she, and her mind is just completely elsewhere. You know, going down a dark rabbit hole of what this husband might have been doing or what that might have looked like. And it's torture. It's, like, very torturous, you know, for her. Um, and but, and yet she also has this side of her where, like, she, it's almost like she can't even bring herself to even ask her husband or to even, you know, check his phone or check his email, like, do the snooping that a wife might do if she suspected, you know, a husband was having an affair. Um, you know, she, like, she's torn. Like, how much do I want to know? Because I think she's in the point in life where, um, an answer to that is going to have very difficult, challenging, you know, consequences. Um, you know, she is 40 years old. Um, you know, she's not that financially well off. She doesn't really have, you know, the means to go through, you know, a separation or a divorce easily. Um, she has a daughter that she just wants to be able to keep this kind of, you know, nuclear traditional family for. And so were she to find out the answer to that question, whatever it is, um, you know, she's then going to have to deal with it, deal, deal with the fallout. And so she's stuck in this place of, like, do I just turn, to blind, turn a blind eye? Do I just decide that I can let this go and carry on? And I think that that feeling, you know, that, that's obviously an extreme example, but I think that feeling can be familiar to a lot of people, you know, of, like, how much do I want to go there um, and what are the consequences going to be? Because at a certain point in life, like, we're sort of, we've made our decisions. We've made our choices, you know. You get one chance at life and you're sort of living it. And so how much are you willing to disrupt? How much are you willing to challenge? Um, it's kind of a big, heavy question, but um, I think there's sort of a seed there that, you know, we can all feel. And, and that sort of relates back to this idea of the whispers, you know, that your life is always kind of speaking to you in some way, but do you choose to listen or not, you know, and, and how hard is that? 
so much of this book involves motherhood and different aspects of it and right ways or wrong ways to be mother. And as I read it in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about, I had a friend observed me one time, if kids got drafted into the war, into, if there was a draft and kids in the United States had to go to a war, their mothers would have to drive them because they can't do anything by themselves. And so as you look, and maybe it's different in Canada, maybe it's an American thing, maybe it's a worldwide thing, I don't know. It, it seems like the the reliance that kids have on their mothers, and it comes through in the book, is a lot greater than it was than when you or I were children. Is that a fair observation? Yes, I think so. I really think so. Um, yeah, it, it, I think that's right. And I feel like we are so, um, we're so like in, ingrained in our children's lives and they in ours now, you know? It's just, it, I just think we live differently that way. And, um, you know, Blair is this character, you know, this very quintessential mom who she really wants to be needed by her child. You know, it's, it's, she sort of entered this stage, you know, her daughter is, you know, I think she's like, she's, you know, seven, eight, and she's, and so she's at the point where, like, you don't have to handhold them all day anymore, um, and you, but, you know, you're still needed, of course, but she can sort of feel that, like, separation start to begin. She can sort of see that, you know, she can't feel value in, like, being a stay-at-home mom anymore because she feels like, well, my, I have one child and she's gone all day, and so how do I prove my worth, you know? Um, and so I think, and, and maybe that's a part of it. Maybe that's a part of what, what, what you brought up, which is, like, a great observation, which is, like, you know, how much do our kids need us versus how much do we want to be needed? How much are we inserting ourselves, you know, in that? Um, and, yeah, there, there's a real contrast there in the book between Whitney and Blair. You know, Whitney wants to be hands-off. You know, she wants to be, she wants to, like, really, you know, have the nanny take over all the stuff that she just cannot enjoy and she can't be bothered with. Um, and, of course, she's very much scrutinized for that. So that's the other side of it, you know, is that if you are not as involved, you know, and as ingrained as the other parents, like, how does that make you feel? You know, do you feel like the worst parent? Do you feel like you're not, you know, like you're judged for that? Um, so in a way, it feels like sort of a game you can't win nowadays, I think. Um, it's hard, hard to find that balance, I think. Well, as I read this book, I always consider a book an entertainment for two or three hours, but the hangover from this one has lasted me a couple of weeks because I've been thinking about it constantly since I read the book, and it's a hangover in a good way. So you, you've written an incredible book here. The book is called The Whispers. It's the newest one by Ashley Audrain. It's available everywhere. If you haven't read The Push, go pick that one up too. Ashley, just a fantastic book, a, a thrilling ride, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Oh, Brian, that means a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Disturb the sound.